As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. Welcome to our midweek edition of Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, we're going to be talking transfers and the Europa League draw, which has just been made. Uh, David Ornstein has given us a transfer update, which you'll hear in a short while. I'm joined this afternoon by Adrian Clark. Afternoon, mate. Afternoon. Just me and thee then today. Yes, just the two of us. Skeleton crew for the Europa League draw. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, the, you know the draw, right? Uh, PSV Eindhoven Dude. of uh, the Netherlands. Bodo glimped, Bodo slash glimped of Norway and FC Zurich of Switzerland. Um, as a little opening question, which of these European cities would you like Arsenal Airways to fly you to? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I think I would like to go to Norway. Actually, let's go to Glimt. Yeah, why not? I think that. I think that sounds a really, really interesting place. It's a progressive club. Yeah, it'd be nice to check it out. I enjoyed going to visit the Arsenal Norway Supports Club a few years ago, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind a cheeky little return. Zurich's a bit businessy, isn't it? And Eindhoven. Oh, I've been to Holland loads of times, so let, let's go to Glimt. Are you saying glimpse? Nine pound a pint, though. I am saying in in response to that. I, I, you know, I mean, yeah. what are you doing? Maybe you go well. Eindhoven yeah. for. Uh, you, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what? I'm with you, really. I I, uh, I do think. Um, I either went to Zurich or Geneva. I'm genuinely not sure which. Switzerland, as we know, is the most boring place on earth. Hello, Swiss people. Uh, you're lovely, but honestly, I mean, I mean, Geneva has a jet d'eau. Do you know about the jet d'eau, Adrian? It's okay. a jet of water. And, and, and people go and look at it like it's something, oh, look at the jet of water. It goes about 40 feet high. <laughs> really the most interesting thing, I think. I can't remember if it was Geneva or Zurich. And Eindhoven, I don't know a lot about Eindhoven. I was watching a bridge too far the other day I know it was involved in the uh, <laughs> in Operation Market Garden in 1944 but um, I'm with you I think Norway I think maybe we'll take a, a carry out anyway yes the Europa League draw happened 
Eindhoven, Bodo Glimt and Zurich. Eindhoven are managed by Ruud van Nistelrooy, uh, Adrian. Uh, really a mm. favourite with all Arsenal fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, an opportunity I mean, to, I, to boo him, isn't it? That, that, that I think, is, is what Arsenal fans will really be looking forward to. He rocks up at the Emirates and... And yeah, the, those behind the away dugout will, will give him absolute pelters, won't they? And uh, That's, that's me, mate. That is me. Yeah. I am 15 <laughs> rows back from Ruud van Nistelrooy and I'll let him know exactly what I think of him. Yeah, it is a chance. I don't know a huge amount about uh, Bodo Glimt or FC Zurich. I'm assuming that the, the general feeling is that we maybe not walk through the group, but we've got enough to get us through the group. But just let's start. I mean, what do you what do you feel about the Sunday Thursday thing going on again? Uh, I mean, from my point of view, I actually don't mind. I I never saw it as. I don't know why people said, "Oh, it's more difficult than um, than uh, Saturday Wednesday." Or but mm. in in the end, as long as there's a three day gap, they'll be fine, right? Exactly. Yeah, I've I've never been hung up on that either, to be honest. And because this season it's all in a more condensed period because they want to get the group stage done before the World Cup, it, it just affords the players and the team to get into a rhythm of sorts. So what you'll have is is the Sunday team and then they'll have a day off and then probably on the Monday the the, the Thursday team will we'll get to work planning for, for that particular match. And, and that's how I see it working, really. I think that we can afford with this group to rest maybe all 11, depending on injuries, but certainly 8, 9, 10, 11, I think we'll we'll get a breather on the Thursday. It's not as if we don't have good backups now. It's, you know, look, I've made up a backup team and it looks pretty solid to me. Well, we'll go into that. Gunner Funder on Twitter, because we did do uh, Ask Adrian uh, anything um, and we've got okay. some questions in one of them and I, I will, we will go through some of them later on mm. but one of them from Gunnar Funder said will Mikel Arteta go with two different 11s for the Europa and Premier League you think he will I do yeah I think almost certainly for the group because, stages anyway yeah I, if, if we can't get through with with our backup team then then I think there's a problem okay if, if results start to to, to not go so well, then you can always drop drop a couple of the big names in. Um, injuries obviously will dictate, won't they? Certain players might be out and then they'll need games to, to get them freshened up. What I used to really like about us playing in Europe was the fact that the subs, the guys that didn't get on at the weekend, would get matched up. They'd get fully fit by playing in the Europa League so that when they are inevitably called upon in the Premier League, that they're ready or they're more equipped to, to handle it. So that's a, that's a big positive for me. But yeah, like this team, for example, Turner, Cedric, Tomiyasu, Holding, Tierney, Sambi, Elneny, Marquinhos, Vieira, Smith-Rowe and Nketiah. I think that team could get us, you know, get us a lot of victories in the group stage, to be perfectly honest. But it would, it will change, it will evolve and, and whatnot. There'll be first team first choices in there sometimes but but yeah I'm confident I'm confident that we can progress nicely but Bodo glimpsed are the interesting ones they have beaten good teams they beat Celtic AZ Altmar Roma as well last season so they're that there's strong Ostersons vibes about Bodo glimpsed there's this sort of modern Scandinavian side that, that are pulling up trees so They'll, they'll be awkward. PSV have got some good individuals. Cody Gakpo is the star one, isn't he? Linked with us and, and a number yeah. of clubs. I don't know a lot about FC Zurich other than that they're the champions and, and the manager 
has just joined them from from being the national team manager with Austria. So um, so yeah, I'd expect them to be solid, but but not too spectacular. So yeah, all in all, it's a pretty good draw. And I, th- I think the fact that they're local countries as well to to England is is quite a nice factor as well. No no lengthy plane trips. No, that actually seems to me the best part of the draw. Really, these are all two hour flights away, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, we could have been going over to. Uh, I mean, Kazakhstan, we could have been going to one of the stands, couldn't we, really? And <laughs> yeah. and, and playing like a, a... No, we could, a six, seven-hour plane ride either way. That is when, it you know, you don't get back till five o'clock on the Friday morning. You've got a game on the Sunday afternoon at one. That's really not a recovery time. No. It is a truncated season, obviously, because of the World Cup. We apparently are going to have nine fixtures in October that's when we need to keep it together injury-wise, isn't it, really? It is, but you can, I mean, you can, what can you do about it? No one no, plans for injuries. You've just got to hope for the best, haven't you? I suppose Mikel Arteta and the coaching staff, along with the, the support staff, will just try, try and manage the training. So there'll be less physical work in the training, training sessions. Like I said, there might be two groups working sort of side-by-side side throughout the week where, you know, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday... A certain group of players are really nailing down on the tactical stuff, while the others sort of tick over and, and and yeah, just stay fit. I think what will happen, what I'd like to happen, is for us to always take three or four star players to go on the bench. Now it doesn't. I'm talking about across all positions, just in case things start to go a little bit pear shaped in these away yeah. trips. But I would also, you know, leave three or four at home just to give them an absolute breather ahead yeah. of the weekend. So, so I'm sure they'll, they'll be planning planning what to do right now, actually. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's manageable, I think. I would hope so. Bodo Glimt, apparently it's Bodo slash Glimt. I don't know. I mean, this is what uh, I was told just before I came on here. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're called Glimt. Bodo, Bodo slash, slash Glimt. Glimt. It doesn't have the same ring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, really. But they apparently have yellow kits and they also, the fans, carry huge yellow toothbrushes, which they bring to the game. That's normal, isn't it? Who doesn't it's, carry it's, it's a yellow toothbrush? It's the Europa toothbrush. League. Who doesn't? Yeah. That is true. Uh, I, I mean, you'd hope... Everywhere I go, when, when, when home and away, all I see is people carrying big toothbrushes. You know, so what? So- <laughs> It's a slightly strange, it's a slightly strange uh, thing going on. But this is the Europa League, isn't it? You don't get this sort of quirkiness in the Champions it's League, great. do you? Really, um, it's great. It's also, by the way, what we haven't talked about is the the chance for some of the kids, some of the uh, youth team players, because we know that that's what happened in the last few seasons. Emil Smith Rowe came uh, famously through that, uh, and we'd hope there's one or two uh, that we could um, that we could bring through uh, in these games, uh, Adrian. What's the expectation in the Europa League, do you think? I mean, oh, I mean, it. there's Man United in there, one or two other, obviously, big teams. But we've got to be one of the favourites, haven't we? Well, every time we've been in the competition, we've almost won it, or it feels that way. So, yeah, I think we must start as favourites. I, I, I look at the starters, OK, and, and whoever starts this competition doesn't always um, finish it because you get the, the clubs coming in from the Champions League, don't you? And you just got to... Need a bit of luck, I think, in terms of avoiding fantastic teams dropping into it. But I think of the starting yeah. lineup, Arsenal would be my favourites. I think for the, for the tournament, you know, red tinted spectacles aside. So, yeah, I, I think we can go a long, long way, and I would expect us to. And it is that that route back into the Champions League. Obviously, we're 
we're, we're pushing, we're going all out for top four this season. I think we can all genuinely start to believe that that's a strong possibility, but, but it's no harm to qualify in a different manner either, is there? And, and I, I'm just all about the trophies. I, I all of my, yeah, most of my best memories in following Arsenal, you know, as a member of staff or as a fan or as a media person, it, it, are the trophy winning days and nights. And yeah, I want to see us lift this cup. I really do. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I mean, I mean, obviously, I remember when Laurent Koscielny scored away at Newcastle and we grabbed fourth. Or when Kieran Gibbs made a last minute tackle to keep a 3-2 lead at West Bromwich Alvin we made fourth. But it ain't the same as watching the boys lift a trophy and celebrating. It definitely isn't. So I, I would totally agree with you. By the way, uh, it has been confirmed uh, by our producer, Abby, that we are favourites for the Europa League. So uh, okay. a lot to look forward to there. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Obviously... Adrian's idea about having two starting 11s, which we can get into a little bit more, will be affected by what happens in the last few days of the transfer window. And for this show, we have transferred in a big gun. Uh, here with all the latest on Arsenal's outgoings and incomings, it's the Athletics' David Ornstein. Well, the final week or days of any transfer window tend to be pretty busy for Arsenal, if we think back over the years, summer and January, more often than not, they tend to do some late business, often on the final day itself. This year feels like it could be relatively quiet. Famous last words. They are still active in the market. That's in terms of a potential incoming and outgoings too. So incoming. We know Arsenal would like to bring in a wide player. Ideally, that player would be Pedro Neto of Wolverhampton Wanderers. I revealed in my column on Monday that Pedro Neto is now the recruitment priority for Arsenal. He's a player that they've liked for a long time. I've seen some reports from before he joined Wolves that suggested Arsenal were exploring the possibility of signing him. Uh, and since, I'm sure they, like many clubs, have tracked him, followed him closely. And now is the time Mikel Arteta would like to move for him. There has been dialogue for more than a month between Arsenal and George Mendes, his representative, who also plays a key part in operations at Wolves. And then Mendes has also been discussing it independently with Wolves. So he's the kind of go-between, the intermediary. Wolves are insistent that they don't expect him to leave before the deadline. And if they are to sell, you suspect the price will be very high, in particular at this stage of a market, when they might have very little time to replace him. Although you could say with Guedes and Nunez coming in, they've already got the bodies in ahead of a potential departure. And they are looking to sign Sasa Kalajic from Stuttgart, another story we've reported on The Athletic. But he's a striker, though some may point out that that expenditure might only be possible 
if there is an exit, given how much they've already spent in this window. Now, we don't know if that will be Neto, who Wolves see as one of their key players. But Arsenal are exploring this, however unlikely it may be. And of course, Arsenal themselves have invested heavily and financial fair play is a consideration. I don't think Arsenal are able to spend extortionate sums of money in these final throws. The reason that Arsenal have it as a possibility is that Nicola Pepe has left on loan. It does not include an option or an obligation to buy. It frees up space for Arsenal. I don't know of any other incoming possibilities. We'll make lots of calls and inquiries in the days ahead, but certainly that was the target area. In terms of other outgoings, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is available to leave. There's been interest from a number of clubs, including Bournemouth, reportedly Southampton, too. West Ham has been mentioned in various dispatches, and I think that's a move that may appeal a bit more to Maitland-Niles, who's London-based. But we'll have to wait and see. It could be a late developer, that one. And where else? Maybe Hector Bellerin? Speculation linking him with a move away from the Emirates Stadium. He's only got a year to go on his contract, so Arsenal will need to make a decision. Do they want to get something for him? I think they probably do in an ideal world. And if they can't, do they agree to terminate his contract or make him see out his final 12 months? I think he would like to leave. He's been linked to the likes of Real Betis, where he spent a successful trophy-winning season on loan last time round. Um, but they've got financial problems. They're having to pull economic levers in a not-too-dissimilar way to Barcelona to raise revenues, to try and invest in their squad, and I'm not sure they would be able to afford Bellerin. Barcelona have been linked as well, and a number of others. So that feels like it wraps it up for Arsenal. Never say never on incomings. You simply never know with Arsenal because we've been here before where it felt like it was going to be quiet and then it exploded into life. Watch this space because we'll be keeping you fully abreast of it on the various athletic platforms right through until that 11pm deadline on September the 1st. So, Adrian, I suppose the big one there is Pedro Neto, uh, Wolverhampton Mm. Wanderers. Um, They're going to ask for a lot of money for him. Is a wide player the priority now? Really, an attacking wide player. Now that Pepe, Nicola Pepe, has headed off on loan to Nice, I think a wide player is the priority. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Mikel Arteta saying that we're going to have a powerful last few days in the transfer Mm. window. They've obviously been planning uh, for a while, talking to uh, Mendes, who's the sort of go-between between us and Wolves. David Ornstein saying he feels sort of unlikely, but it could happen. Um, mm. It's going to go down to the wire, isn't it, this one? I think it might do, yeah. Uh, but but I'm glad that we're in for this player. I think that he's... I'm a big fan of Neto. He's had a big injury last season that sort of knocked him back. And he's just still recovering from that. But what I saw in the early stages of his Wolves career was a really special player. Someone that looked as good as a Diogo Jota, for example, in that team at Molyneux. And I think I think he's a really sharp yeah. player. But, but the key for me is his positional adaptability. So I think he's probably at his best as a right winger. But he could play on the left wing. And more importantly, he can play up front. And he's done that before. And I think he could do it for us as well. So he would tick a lot of boxes, Pedro Neto, again, at a good age as well. Um, he looks at Arsenal in terms of his style of play. 
he can finish. So yeah, I'm really, really pleased that we're being linked with him. And it's another one, isn't it, that's already got Premier League experience. And it does seem that that Edu and Mikel Arteta have really prioritised that in the last couple of windows. And you've got to say, across the board, that policy is working. Yeah, I mean, if we get Pedro Neto, I mean, this has been really a fantastic Mm. Uh, yeah. transfer window uh, I mean to be honest I sort of feel like that anyway mm. with uh, with Saliba coming back in but particularly with Jesus and uh, and Zinchenko and then we'll see with Vieira and Marquinhos and, and how it goes but uh, I, another thing that Mikel Oteta said he's been speaking today and we've done the transfer window in a different way at the start of the window we signed players before getting other players out now we've done something different we've let a player go and may be able to recruit somebody but it's not a guarantee because the player is still not here. I mean, I guess he is talking about Pedro Neto there. But what he guarantees is the day the window closes, this is the best team in the world and I will try to get the best out of them. He sort of has to say that, really, but we are all feeling pretty good uh, at the moment. One thing I do want to ask about is FFP. I mean, we were... I think what happened was, I mean, from what I've heard, and when I say what I've heard, what I've read on Twitter, <laughs> essentially, is that we were being investigated, but only in the sense that, oh, they're spending a lot of money, let's have a look. But the general feeling is that we're spending within our means. I don't imagine Arsenal have too much to worry about because they've offloaded a lot of players, haven't they, recently, particularly high earners. So that surely that surely comes into it in terms of Arsenal's spending. Yeah, that. that they're forking out a lot of money in the transfer market, but they're recouping plenty in savings every month. It is a reminder, isn't it, that we also need to get transfer fees in for the players that we no longer want. Often we we end up loaning them out, as we've done with Nicola Pepe. Sooner or later, we need to start getting getting better fees, I guess. But, but overall, I'm sure the club are right across it. And when I look at what's happening elsewhere around Europe, with Barcelona in particular, closer to home at Chelsea with the unbelievable spending there, you, you, you wonder why our name is even in the conversation, to be honest. But but I am no expert in in that field of football. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't sense that we're about to get ourselves into a pickle. No, I mean, we are the seventh highest spenders in, in Europe at this transfer window, below Chelsea, Barcelona, Ma- uh, Nottingham Forest, Manchester United, West Ham and Bayern Munich. So, uh, yeah, it seems strange that they're looking at us, but uh, hey, hopefully it's not a problem. One of the players, by the way, uh, ESPN are reporting today that Hector Bellerin might cancel his contract with Arsenal. David Ornstein did mention this. Uh, It's sort of a sad end to his career, really. And it's a shame that Real Betis uh, are in some sort of financial difficulties because he would have loved to have stayed there. He had a trophy winning season with them, as David said. But... If he goes, we appreciate the work he did for us, don't we? Definitely. Yeah, he's a good lad and he he had some good seasons with us as a first-team player. Look, as I know, but from personal experience, to to stay at Arsenal, to be in that first-team squad over a long period of time, it's blimmin' hard. You've got to be so good, so consistently over a number of years. And he's had a great run at it. It just so happens that maybe he didn't fulfil what the club hoped in terms of his potential. And, and and that, yeah, eventually you have to seek pastures new. If he does cancel his contract, I think that will that would probably be in the best interest of him and, of course, the club. Um, and it's a sensible way of doing things. You know, just be grown up about it. It's like, well, you need to go. We need to we need to sort of free you up as well. Let's just call it quits. And, and I think that's a, yeah, a sensible way to do it. Uh, I did the same once as a player at Stevenage. There's a bit of a standoff. 
And I just said, look, let's just cancel it. I'm not, I don't need to pay off. I'm not bothered about that. I just want to be able to go and play somewhere else. And uh, and that and that's what we did. Yeah. So uh, yeah, hopefully they can f- find a way. One more thing before we have a little break: our Mikel Arteta's 100th Premier League game uh, at the weekend against Fulham. He's won 52, drawn 16, lost 31 of the 99 so far. What you're giving him as a grade? I mean, it's difficult, isn't it, Adrian? Because really, you might have said, I don't know, B up to this point. You might have even said B minus or C if you were being really harsh. But the start, the transfer window he's had and the start he's had this season, we must be getting into B plus, A minus territory. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what I've got? I've got a flat B here, which is good. In in my memory, if you got a B, it meant good. And I think that's where we're at. There's too many defeats there. 31 losses out of 100 is too many. Yeah. Okay, and I don't think it can be sort of ignored or airbrushed that in good positions to qualify for the Champions League, when it kind of was in our hands, we blew it two years running. So so those are the negatives. The positives are the football is starting to become fabulous. FA Cup. The, yeah, the FA Cup was an amazing triumph um, with a team that we wouldn't be happy to put out on the pitch at the moment, let me tell no. you. We won the Cup, beating City then beating Chelsea with that group. So that was an amazing achievement. The recruitment strategy I love because it's clear and it's precise and they're, they're sort of going after players with precision expertise, f- filling the right holes with the right profiles. I like that. And I also admire the the ruthless calls that he's made because I do think in the long run it was needed. So lots to like, um, a few things to say, m- could, could do better. So, yeah, I'll go for a flat B. But look, in a year's time, I want that to be an A. Well, quite. We all do. (laughs) We all do. I think, interesting, the ruthlessness you talk about. We played Fulham at home 16 months ago, which feels like a lifetime, to be honest. Mm. Uh, Five players who are in or around the first team, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe, Gabby Magueyes, Bukayo Saka, and, of course, Granit Xhaka. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who is will be there long after we've gone, as I've said. Um, but, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, six players just no, nowhere near the first team or out of the door in a year and a bit. So that ruthlessness uh, appears to be working. Uh, this is uh, Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. 
Now, we did put out a little shout. We did put out a little shout on Twitter. Ask Adrian anything about Arsenal. Five A's. I got a few questions. Adrian got a few questions as well. The one I got, which I quite like, have Adrian and Mrs. Clark opened up that bottle of tequila yet? That's from FL Journeyman. <laughs> no, I should put it on eBay, shouldn't I? Um, no, save yeah. it for a celebration when we have you know, a yeah. Europa League trophy parade. And, um, you know. Yeah. Does it, does it last forever? I don't know. It just feels, it feels like we've had it too long. Does tequila have a sell-by date? I have no idea. I imagine not, <laughs> to be honest with you, because it's alcohol, isn't it? So one would imagine yeah. it uh, It stays pretty fresh. Oh, this tequila is fresh, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, all right, I'm going to go through a few that I got. Mags the Elder. Sorry, because these letters are all put together. Mags the Elder asks, will Arsenal sign not one or two players before the end of the transfer window? Oh, mystic Ooh. Adrian Clark. <laughs> I'm not very mystic, but my prediction would be one, boringly, in the, in the middle. Yeah, I just don't get the vibes that, that we're desperate for that midfielder. The Tielemans one might... We might wait to get him on a free. That's my hunch, but we'll have to wait and see. I think the Neto one feel, feels like it could. If we're aggressive yeah. in terms of the way we pursue him and that if he if he tells Wolves, and that's all you need in these scenarios, all he's got to do is tell Wolves, I want to go. Just like Gordon has told Everton, he wants to go. Fafana has told Leicester, he wants to go. That's the, that's the tipping point. Yeah. It, it just depends. If Tielemans and Neto tell their clubs they want to go to Arsenal, we might end up with both. Yeah, Who we'll would you take see, of the two? I would I would prefer Neto, yeah, because I think I don't want to leave us light in that attacking department, and I think he, like Martinelli, he he can sort of slide into a centre forward position if we need him, and and it would, um, yeah, I, I just think he's a really good player. Tielemans, there are a few little red flags around Tielemans, around his attitude, around his drop off in form over the last twelve months. And and also where he would fit in the squad at the moment, and he wouldn't get in our starting eleven at the moment. No, so I'm, I'm more I'm more laid back about Tielemans than than Neto. I'd like I'd like to get him. Matt Knight is another wide forward priority, not only for rotation with Zaka, Marti, uh, Saka, Martinelli, ESR, but also to enable Martinelli to be used at centre forward. Essentially, saying we only have uh, Jesus and, and Ketia as centre forwards. I mean, this goes back to the point you were making that you would like a third forward in there. And Martinelli would obviously be the guy, but it does mean that we then have to find a replacement for him. So it's sort of the same question, really. This is why you're saying if we get Neto in, we can perhaps uh, start rotating the forwards a little bit. Saka can play over on that side. Yeah, I I like Martinelli as a striker. Yeah. It's where he... You've changed your tune, first. Adrian, no, a little bit. No, I, I haven't changed my tune. Um, I liked him when I initially <laughs> saw him as a striker. Okay, when he first I'm sure I asked club. you a couple of weeks ago, he went, oh, no, no, no. But I might have dreamt no, no, that no, no, or no, something. No. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think I flip-flopped too much on, on that. I think that, that I like him where he is at the moment because he's in good form. Yes. Like, why, why change it? But no, overall, I'm really surprised that Mikel Arteta is never really used him there because I think he could be a bit like a Luis Suarez, a little bit like a Gabriel Jesus with his mobility, the runs he makes, the carnage that he can cause. I think he could could easily play that role. Yeah. Um, so, but, but, but we haven't had any indication from the manager that that's what he wants him to do, which makes me think that maybe a new signing like Neto would 
would be the third choice striker yes. if, if they came in. Yeah. Okay. On the midfield, Ted, the PCFA chairman on Twitter, said, does uh, Adrian think Granit Xhaka is, is a long-term plan in attacking midfield? Or does he think that either Vieira or Emile Smith-Rowe will eventually supplant him? No, I don't think he's in the long-term planning for that position. But, and this is a really important but, if he continues to play the way he is, then why shouldn't he become part of that planning? Because if someone shines in a new position, even if you didn't think they would be as good, then then why not stick with it? Doesn't so matter, we might, yeah. yeah, we might see a brand new Granite Xhaka revolve and develop over the next 12 months where he becomes one of the best box-to-box Midfielders in the Premier League. Who'd have, who'd have seen that I coming? I don't see it. Who'd have see seen it? But it insane. could happen. No. It could happen. So I would say not long-term. I think it's a short-term fix. But but it could become long-term if he, if he goes on a run of 10, 15, 20 games just being excellent in that position. Well, you, in that case, you just don't change it. No, I, I mean, I, I like him. I like him further forward where he doesn't have to tackle as much. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The issue is, right, and this is the problem, if we went with a Vieira or a Smith Rowe in that position instead of him, it really leaves you light when you lose the ball, especially against good teams. And it's kind of bitterness on, on, on the backside a couple of times when we've done that before where we lose the ball. There's too much responsibility therefore on a Thomas Partey to sort of handle everything. And even though Odegaard is not a slacker, he'll get back and work. It's not where he does his best work. And you could probably, you know, you'd certainly say the same about Smith Rowe or Vieira. So I, I, I think against really bad teams at home, we could see one holding midfielder and two flyers like yes. Odegaard Smith-Rowe. Yes. But, but against anyone de- anyone really dangerous and decent, I think that's a, a real risky policy. And I don't think Arteta's going to do that very often. No. Um, on the same subject, the centre of that midfield, KB is Arsenal asked, hi Adrian, if uh, Martin Odegaard is ever injured, uh, who do you think replaces him, ESL or Vieira? We, one could add... It's not just whether he's injured, but also in the Europa League where one imagines one of those two will play in the number 10 role. We haven't seen a huge amount of Fabio Vieira as yet. We know, I initially thought that Emil Smith-Rowe might evolve into a number 10 and he might still do it. Who are you having in that position if Martin Odegaard I, isn't there? It, it feels like it might be Vieira mm. rather than, than Smith-Rowe. It feels like Smith-Rowe, in the eyes of the manager, is competing with Martinelli for that left sort yes. of wing position. And I think that Vieira was brought in to be the sort of next Erdegaard or the a similar player stylistically. So yeah, I, I that's how I that's how I would see it. But but Smith Rowe is very good in that position, could easily play it. And and hand on heart, if Erdegaard got injured, I would put Smith Rowe in there first up because I think he's earned the right to be the next in line. I agree. I don't see why Vieira should sort of leapfrog Smith-Rowe in the pecking order, particularly. So I suspect Smith-Rowe would get the nod if he gets injured. But at the same time, I think that the manager sees Smith-Rowe with Martinelli and that Vieira is with Erdegaard in terms of their position, their best positions. Yes. We'll do a couple more. Um, one about the game at the weekend, actually. Sidi Amadou Bart. Esquire, City Esquire, I think that is, is uh, asked about where do you think Fulham's biggest threat is going to come from? But then he sort of answered the question himself, saying <laughs> uh, Mitrovic 
up against Zinchenko on the back post concerns me a little. I imagine that has been talked about quite a bit, Adrian. Well, I've talked about it. I saw this tweet and I've written a piece about this uh, for the Premier League, which go. I think might either be out or it will come out in the in the build-up to the game in my Talking Tactics column. I did a piece on, on Fulham's sort of changing style. So they've... They've become, they were a possession team in the championship. They're now the opposite of a possession team. They're all about the sort of win the ball in midfield and then break quickly and and get the ball into the box for Mitrovic. And some of the numbers for Mitrovic are scarily good. Uh, He's had the most shots in the Premier League. He's won the most aerial duels. He's had the most headed shots. He's second only to a lad, I don't know if you've heard of him, a lad called Gabriel Jesus. He's second only to him for touches inside the box this season. And this is for a Fulham team that don't really have much of the ball. So he's a very dangerous player. And I did include in my article almost that line itself. Arsenal will need to be very, very wary of of Mitrovic peeling onto one of our fullbacks, in particular Zinchenko. Obviously from a left-wing cross, he'd, he'd look to peel on him. Because when... When he attacks crosses, it doesn't matter whether you're six foot three or five foot three, he's he's going to win that header a lot of the time. So um, really, really dangerous. But yeah, he'll he'll try and target Zinchenko and White at the fast stick. So what we've got to do is stop the crosses. We've got to make work extra hard to make sure they can't put good balls into the box for Mitrovic. And I think that's the message Arteta will send out to the players. Sure. Let's have one more. And this is really more of a, a, a sort of fantasy, if you like, really. Now, go get the... I can't read the whole uh, the whole name on here. Go get the guitar <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Said, I know he doesn't fit our current signings profile, but wouldn't Will Zaha be an exciting signing? He's a Finnish article, massively experienced, would improve our attack, and is a gooner, he says. Or would this simply be repeating past mistakes in signing older players? He's not that old, is he? He's about 26, 27. Yeah, no, I, I, I do like Wilf Sahar. Me too. He's one of the most dangerous players in the in the Premier League. Um, but you, can't, you can only have so many, can't you, that play in these sort of wide forward positions. And I just, yeah. I mean, look, if we were in for him and not Neto, would I be even more excited Probably would, yeah. Probably would be a little bit, but but not by a lot. I think that they're both good players. So, so yeah, I I reckon that ship sailed. But he's twenty nine, by the way, which is uh, yeah. I'm slightly surprised, but still young. I think really. Well, yeah, but it, it might deter someone like Arsenal because you wouldn't get uh, any resale value with no. He's, he's got through his contract. That that would be him and done and dusted. There was one one question I spotted that you you haven't quite got to, and. I will answer it if that's all right. Yeah. Because they, they said, well, you keep banging on about a target man, <laughs> a bigger striker. Well, who would you who would you want? And it's a, it's a valid question. Mitrovic. Because, <laughs> Before Saturday. <laughs> he, he, would, he would be on the shortlist. Yes. Don't, I'm not even joking. No, of course. Um, the, my honest answer was that if, if it wasn't so prohibitive on price, I would have liked Isak. Yeah. Who looks like he's going to he's Newcastle. He's going to Newcastle, isn't he? Yeah. Or, or Ossiman from, from Napoli. But but if you're going to spend that kind of money, they they expect to be number one choice, and they wouldn't be no. here. So you've got to look elsewhere. The one name I keep coming back to that I think is achievable, that would be happy to make the move to become number two, not number three, is Ivan Tony. I think that Ivan Tony would would be would be very very good. Yeah. Um, because he's he's a proven Premier League performer. He's a London lad. 
And I think he would absolutely relish coming here. And he and he would offer something. He would become a better player working with Mikel Arteta and all the players around him. And he would also offer that physical threat that we sometimes lack. And as I've said time and time again, when you've got five subs, when you need to chase a game, chase a goal, it's good to have something different. And um, He would certainly offer t- that. T- t- Tony would offer it. And, and yeah, I... I don't know whether we're linked to him. I don't don't think we are, but I would I would be I would certainly be checking him out and, and putting him on on a short list because I think he could do a real good job for us. Uh, well, uh, that question, by the way, was from uh, Jay Hunter uh, one thousand and eight, and thanks for the questions. And sorry if we didn't get to uh, yours. Let's have a song, Adrian, before we go. What you got for a song? Have you you know what you suddenly looked and went, oh, I haven't even thought of one. Um, can all right, well I'll tell you mine, right, which is money, money, money. Just because, you know, FFP can do one. Um, we want to listen. We haven't spent in about 15 years, have we, for goodness sake? Arsene Wenger was a bit frugal with the old pennies, and I think uh, it's time we spent some money. So I think that should be allowed over just because, you know, it's time for Arsenal to be back. And uh, if we have to spend another 60 or 70 million pounds on Pedro Neto, I think you should allow us to, frankly, is what I'm saying to the authorities who I know listen in. Uh, <laughs> what is your song, Adrian? You've had a little thing. I'm going to go for, it's a European-based one because of the Europa League draw. What about the band Europe? They came up with the final countdown, which I really, really, I quite liked it as a song. I think my brother had it. I I did, I did. I know it's not cool to say that, Uh, but I quite No, it's not cool. It's actually one of the uncoolest things I've ever heard. Do you know what I like? Europe, (laughs) final countdown. I mean, that is... It's just so 80s. It's just so 80s. But it's an iconic song. And do you know what? It also fits. Because what, how many days till the end of the transfer window? Not many. It's the final countdown. No. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> cool or not, it fits and we're having it. Um, that's it. <laughs> Thanks to uh, David Ornstein uh, for his transfer insights. He's going to be a busy man in the next few days. Uh, thanks to Adrian Clark and thanks to Abby, our producer. We're back next week. Thank you, listener, for listening. I'm Ian Stone and this has been Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic.